0: Welcome to Museum Archipelago. I'm Ian Elsner. Museum Archipelago is your audio guide through the landscape of museums. Each episode is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. I love seeing a map in a museum. If it's a historical map, it reveals how its contemporaries saw the world much more directly than an arrowhead or a teapot. If it's a modern map, I want to spend as much time as possible taking in every detail. A modern map can feel like the source of truth, but as the maps in the 20th century exhibit at the British Library presents, maps are partisan. I visited the gallery in December 2016. The gallery is quick to get to the central theme of the exhibition, that in order to understand a map, you must understand how it was made. Maps are not neutral. The gallery does something interesting by choosing to limit the maps to the 20th century. By the 20th century, mapmakers had a pretty good idea of what the world looked like. With few exceptions, the maps on display have familiar coastlines. If the curators had decided to broaden the time frame, the gallery would have consisted of map after map of the familiar world gaining resolution. As an undergrad, I studied geography, which meant that I had a lot of classes which began with a presentation of an upside-down world map. The upside-down world map describes how politics can creep into maps even when trying to paint a neutral picture. The hegemonic global north is persistently in a position of prominence on almost every map we see. This gallery doesn't have anything to say about this convention. Almost every map presented looks this way. But the North is Up convention aside, the gallery presents a turbulent century in the context of maps. Of course, the overt propaganda maps are there. A World War I map showing the UK as a spider bearing down on Europe looks remarkably similar to a World War II-era spider with a swastika spreading over the continent. But sometimes the propaganda is more subtle. A beautiful, detailed, Soviet-made globe of the moon proudly telegraphs that Soviet probes had been the first to photograph the far side of the moon. There is a Nazi map showing the distribution, by state, of first and second generation German immigrants to America. The information would have helped the propaganda ministry to direct adverts urging the U.S. to stay out of the war. The outlines of the country look perfectly accurate, which in itself makes it seem much more sinister. There are amazing relief maps of First World War battlefields that generals pored over to make decisions about where to send troops. Since the relief was good, they could have their troops avoid hills and slopes. But there were not markings for barbed wire or trenches. How many lives would have been changed if the map was accurate in a different way? The gallery puts up a live updating heat map to show visitors where other visitors crowd during the exhibition. I found myself looking at that monitor, not to see where the other people were, but to get a sense of the overall map of the gallery. My biggest disappointment about the gallery was with how the guide map of Disneyland was presented. Here, I thought would have been an excellent place to highlight the story truth of how a visitor experiences the map, and how the park actually looks from a satellite photo. If you look at the guide map and the satellite photo side by side, you see big, ugly buildings completely hidden by thin rows of trees that hide the ride mechanics and their own awkward scales. But it does make the point, there is no such thing as a map without an agenda. The exhibit, Maps in the 20th Century, is at the British Library in London. The exhibit closes on March 1st, 2017. This has been Museum Archipelago. We hope you enjoyed your visit. Notes on this episode can be found at museumarchipelago.com. Next time, bring a friend.